0: My name is Matt Stevens. I'm, I'm one of the elders here at the bridge. Got my notes. And um, welcome. Uh, I've got the pleasure today of starting this, this Advent sermon series that we're going to be doing. Wonderful counselor today, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace in the weeks to come. Um, <clears throat> it's a prophecy, um, this is Isaiah verse 9 6. A prophecy of the coming Messiah, similar in a lot of ways to this, the series we just finished. Andy just finished preaching um, the prophet Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament. Um, for the last couple months, we've been, we've been covering the minor prophets, um, the, the final prophets that spoke to Israel uh, during their decline. As, as Israel started rebelling against God and turning away, there's a similar pattern in each of these books, which is God is, as a loving father, is trying to call them back and correct them, and, and you know, it's like, I, I, know, I know how this story goes, it doesn't end well, but I love you, and I want the best for you, and so, and so come back to me, I, and yet, so in, in the midst of, like, trial and, and trouble that they brought on themselves, there's also this this view of a final hope and, and promise. And, um, and that, that final hope and promise we understand to be Christ Jesus. This prophecy of Isaiah is, ri- is written really in a very similar, right around the same time, about 730 B.C. And he, he looks to that final hope of the coming of Jesus. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful counselor. When I first heard this, I thought it meant something like really good therapist. Like that's, how, that's how it kind of translates in our language. Um, look, and I know a really good therapist. His name is Dodds Pengra. He does marriage counseling. He's amazing. A number of, a number of couples at the bridge ha- have, seen, have seen him, and he's awesome. But you all should go, too. Listen, there's scholarships. Like, don't let that be an issue. You should go, seriously. But is he, like, the equivalent with the coming Messiah? Or is Christ somehow reduced to um, Dodds Pengra? It just seems kind of underwhelming, as good as he is. And so I'm like, what am I going to say about this? Uh, so I Googled it. And turns out there's this really wonderful uh, resource called gotquestions.org. No joke, no joke. We've used it actually a number of times um, for questions of scripture that are really hard to answer. And it pointed me towards Judges thirteen eighteen, where an angel of God, a man asks what his name is, and the angel on behalf of God says, why do you ask my name, seeing as it is wonderful? And so wonderful doesn't actually mean really good, like we think it is. It actually means unknowable, which is very confusing kind of when talking about God. But really, really interesting to me, and I suddenly become very excited to preach this because it's, it's speaking to the infinite nature of God and how he's just so beyond us in his infinite nature. He's wonderful. and um, And that would be enough. If we just preached on that, on the wonder and the infinite nature of God, we could totally do that. But there's more. He's actually also counselor. And this is a picture, this is, this is way more than a therapist. This is a picture of a wise king. In their time, a king would rule as over legal disputes as judge, jury, and lawyer, also known as counselor in our time. Um, he would be all of those roles, which seems impossible given what we know about our current legal system. But um, like they had this one king, Solomon, a few hundred years before Isaiah, who once presided over these two moms who were each claiming the same child as their own. No DNA proof, by the way. And he's able to cross-examine quickly and drive down to the heart of where the, each of them were in the depths of their soul to determine what was true and what was just. And so he's amazing at it, which is incredible. He actually prayed for wisdom to, to be able to, to do that, to rule his people well. And if, if, if he can do that as a man... Uh, what what would an infinite God be able to do as counselor, knowing you to the depths of your soul? So they, they seem like opposite things. You know, this infinite unknowable God, who, by the way, also knows you to the depths of your soul. How can these two things be talking about the same God? And it, if you're like me, you'll either you'll gravitate to one of the other, and, and like, oh, okay, I, I'm actually personally really comfortable with God as infinite and just this incredible, all-powerful. I'm way less comfortable with God knowing me to the depths of my soul. Um, you might be the other way. Like, I, I love that God is like my personal friend. We talk all the time, and but sometimes I I struggle to know if He's actually all-powerful and if He has control over these things that are going on. But he's both, and today that's what we're going to see. We're going to tear through a bunch of scripture. This is normally we will teach sequentially through a s- specific text. It's the best way to get the full context and not draw anything that's not there. Today we're going to do more of a topical sermon throughout all of Scripture on Wonderful Counselor, um, which is really fun to do. But, but. The, 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 the challenge is that you, you can take things out of context and say pretty much whatever you want. And so before I do that, let's pray. God, we need you. Uh, I need you personally just to speak truth from your word, Lord. These are your words, and um, we're, um, we're not you. We're, we're finite beings, and it's hard to understand. It's hard to say the things that you you have given to us here in Scripture, and so we need your spirit to be with us all, to, to know what you would have for us today, to know you as wonderful counselor God, you, you are God, and, and um, just just help us to know you today, each one of us, um, to know you, Lord. Amen. God is wonderful. I can't describe the wonder of God any better than what's said in First uh, in Kings. You might not be able to follow along all the scriptures. This, this one's in First 1 Kings in 19, 9 through 18. They're going to be on the, um, the board up here. So this is about 100 years before Isaiah. Elijah is another prophet of God, and he's got a serious problem. The, the nation of Israel is, is starting to turn away from God. They're killing all the prophets of God, actually, and and, they're, and the king is pursuing Elijah for his life. So it's a serious problem. God brings him on this epic journey, leads him to the mountain of God called Mount Horeb, and he's in a cave and Elijah lays out this problem to God, and God says, "Go and stand on the mountain before your Lord." What an invitation. Imagine, Dave, go in the parking lot, stand before your God. That's what happens. And this, this incredible thing happens. The Lord passes by in a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke it into pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a whisper. A low whisper. I, th- I find this to be a, a really unique passage. I mean, God absolutely can display his power in nature, and does throughout Scripture for various reasons, but not here. It's very clear that God is not in any of these events, which tells us two things about him. One is that he doesn't need great displays of power to accomplish his purposes. He can do everything in a low whisper, That's one of the things that he's revealing to Elijah in this case. The second's a little bit more abstract. It speaks to the infinite nature of God, what he does here in a really unique way. Because only one of two things can be true. If all these powerful things are happening outside of, and God's not a part of it, either God is not actually omnipotent and these things are happening independently from him, which you'd be forgiven for thinking that. It's, that's kind of, you know If you look at the world, it seems like that's happening all the time. But it, it doesn't line up with what he, God tells us about himself in scripture. And so the other option is that God actually is infinite. He is all-powerful, and these things that we think are powerful, they appear to us to be very powerful, are actually nothing. And, and that doesn't really seem right either. No, there's something. There's definitely something. But, but, but stay with me for a second. I mean, Jesus himself in John, the Gospel of John chapter 5, he says that he can do nothing apart from God. Jesus himself, the most powerful man to ever walk the earth. And to be clear, he's not saying that he's not powerful or that he is actually apart from God. He's saying there is no power or existence apart from God. God is all-powerful. He is all-present. What's interesting about what happens next is that this awesome display of who God is doesn't actually solve Elijah's problem. God asks him a second time, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah for word for word, spells out the exact same problem that he just told to God a minute ago, like God didn't even hear him, or like what just happened didn't even happen. He covers his face, because that's what you do in the Old Testament in the presence of God, and he lays out his problem again. God does something different this time. He says, listen, this is what's going to happen. You've got this political problem. This is how I'm solving that. You feel like you're the only prophet left, this guy Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, very confusing. This guy Elisha, he's gonna, be, he's gonna be your your student. You're gonna he's gonna follow you. Go get him. And continue, he's gonna have to continue to work. And lastly, you think you're alone. There's there's five thousand men of Israel who have not bowed down to this false God that everyone's turning to. He counsels him to the depths of his soul. He he <laughs> he reaches in to his heart, understanding everything, what's going on, and it and addresses every, everything. And if you're like, wow, that would be nice, you know, God's never done that for me. Listen, like, this didn't just happen, like, Elijah had given up on his life pri- prior to this happening, um, and, and God, at least in this specific case, God had to lead him to this place of understanding his wonder before he could receive his counsel. And so it doesn't always have to go like that, but that's what had to happen here. And so God is both. Simultaneously, he's both. It's incredible. Just a couple hundred years prior to this, King David, um, at the height of Israel's power and um, the height of their relationship and their closeness to God, King David worships God as counselor in Psalms 139. We'll spend a little bit more time in this. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 10. He says, this is a prayer to God. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it together. You hand me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. David worships God as counselor. It's said about David in a unique way that he knows the heart of God. And um, this, what he's describing, I, the only thing I can think of that's like it is, is a spouse. Who else? Look, Lori and I, my wife Lori, we actually spend an enormous amount of time together, way more than, than an, an average couple, I would say. We um, work within 100 feet of each other on the same floor. Um, so we only have to have one car, so we never go anywhere without the other person. So like 99% of our lives are really within this distance of each other. And so these things happen. Th- these things do happen, and um, I love it. I really do. But, you know, like, you hem me in behind him before. Like, like are you codependent? You know, like, it, is that bad? I don't you know, I find myself sometimes I do kind of push back against that level of, of closeness. Um, really more in an emotional way, like trying to, like, preserve my own emotional sovereignty. Um, but if I knew her heart for relationship with me all the time, I, I probably wouldn't do that. And it, it's the same with God. God's heart for relationship with you, and who He is as someone you can trust to always be a loving and good Father. Um, you know, I, I do, I do keep God at arm's length. I, I'm not totally comfortable with Him in the depths of my soul, but He is, and that, and that's that's the relationship He desires for me, and um, it's a beautiful thing. And as David we're going to come back to God as counselor because at this particular moment, David, like, confronted with the beauty of the, his relationship with God, he's moved to start worshiping God as wonderful. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield in the grave, you are there as well. If I t- Here's my favorite verse. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I used to work on a ship at sea, and the, the longest the, the longest voyage we ever did was from Durban, South Africa, to Houston. It takes about almost a month. And uh, there's this moment in the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean. It was like, you know, a thousand miles from anything. I stand up on the top deck of the ship, looking out. You can see about, you can see like a, ring of ocean about 24 miles across. It was like Beltway 8, except instead of a city of millions, you see absolutely nothing. Not a single thing, no humans, no ships. And um, you get a sense for how small you actually are. That's what I felt at that time. And if that's the way I felt with a 70,000-ton ship under my feet, imagine what David was writing when he wrote this. Two thousand years before anyone ever dreamed of crossing an ocean, it would be like the universe is to us. That's that's the scale that he's talking on. Look, there's more stars in the universe than there are teaspoons of water in the ocean. It's ridiculous. It's it it, it really is jaw dropping. And we get we get that God is infinitely greater than us. Like that kind of makes sense. But the nature of being infinite is that he's also infinitely larger than the biggest number you can imagine, the stars in the universe. That's what David is saying. Even if you dropped me in the furthest corners of the universe, even there, you would still have deep purpose. Your purpose would be to follow God, to know him, and his his power would continue to hold the fabric of your existence together, even there. That's wonderful. God is wonderful. If if you take take away number one, God is wonderful. And if you you ever find yourself overwhelmed by the burdens of this world, like Elijah was, God, God is wonderful. God is infinitely greater than we could possibly imagine. Stand on the mountain before your God. And if that makes you just feel hopelessly small, <laughs> you know, it, it can't. It, you'd be forgiven for feeling that way. Look, you're not. You're not alone. Elijah felt the same way. David himself, the man who knows the heart of God, in Psalms chapter eight, he says, "When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Like hear like the lament of." I think it's just the disparity between us and God. Like, the God that made these things with a whisper and is infinitely greater than all of it, how could that same God care about man? What is man? What are we we even doing? And yet, he shifts, like David so often does, the man who knows the heart of God. He shifts to, like, this assurance of who God is. He says, And yet, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and put all things under his feet. And so the second takeaway, God is counselor. If you feel like you don't matter to God, know that he has given you deep value, deep purpose, and that he's revealed himself to us, He's made his plans known to us to the depths of our soul. And the reason I know that for sure is because he sent Christ. If you are an infinite God and you're not also counselor, you don't send your son to become a human so that we could know him. You just don't. And you definitely don't send that same son to die on the cross on behalf of your sins and mine and resurrect him again so that we could live at the right hand of God. You just don't. And so that is the proof of God as counselor. Christ with us. Emmanuel. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven, earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood on the cross. And then Jesus himself, in the Gospel of John, one of his disciples, Philip, he asked him, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. We want to know who God is. Just, Just show us to him. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. God's plan from the beginning was to make his unknowable infinite name knowable to us in Christ. And so I asked myself the question, do I know Jesus? Look, Philip knew all about Jesus. He had lived with him for years. He, he did know where he sat and where he, you know, where he, you know, where he was going to you know, when he got up and we sat down. All those things, like a spouse. He knew about Jesus, but, and yet Jesus is asking him, have you been with me so long and don't you know me? I think, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of times I know a lot about Jesus. I don't necessarily know him in the depths of my soul um because if i did i th- i would know him as counselor i would know i would speak to him continuously i would do the things that he does out of joy uh rather than <laughs> obligation and um you know and so that that's that's our opportunity this this advent season is is to is to know God as wonderful counselor. Let's, this Advent, as we kind of look forward to the coming of Christ, let's sit together in the presence of God as wonderful counselor. We'll do this, do this by reading scripture together, by, by praying together, by talking about the things of God. Don't try to do it alone. It's, God is too wonderful for us. And, you know, on our own for any length of time, we will forget. We will forget who, the nature of God. We need each other to know him. So as you sit with friends and family this holiday season, let's, let's know him together. Wonderful counselor. And let's look to the f- forward to the coming of Jesus, this mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so I'll pray to close. And what I'll do is I'm going to read Psalms 139 as, a, as our own prayer. David is praying it to God as his prayer. As I read it, pray it also along with me as, as, in, in your heart as your own. I'll just pray together. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path my li- and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways even before words on my tongue behold lo- Lord you know it all together you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand on me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it's high I cannot obtain it where shall I go from your spirit where shall I free you from your presence if I ascend into heaven you are there if I make my bed in the grave you are there if I, take my wing, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. May the God of wonderful counselor be with you this season, even today, now and forever. Amen.